I cast... I cast Fireball! So this would be the time for you guys to roll your reflex saves. Does a four succeed? (laughs) (laughs) I like how we all just laugh. Just out of curiosity. Did you have buildings like this where you come from? Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. Except they were a lot nicer. You didn't have broken stairs. The electricity normally worked. Everything was smooth. Parallel universe. Universe. I don't know why it came up. <laughs> to the parallel universe. To the parallel universe. We are in a parallel universe. <laughs> is, is there a Bakotel? As you peer around the area, you see the sign Bakotel. <gasps> there oh is. my gosh, there's Bakotel. <laughs> And welcome back to another episode of The Gate Chronicles. This is season one, episode 32. Woo! Hello, I am your host and game master for this evening or this episode. Yeah, that thing. This episode. My name is Emily. I'm also known as Snow, and I play Snow in the other podcasts or online odd, or at least I did play Snow. Well, you know. Kesarasara, I guess. Anyway, let's go around the table and introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm Quentin, the GM for Who Used to Be Snow, but, you know, as M said, que sera, sera. And here I play Charles Smoot, 57-year-old biology teacher, born and raised in upstate New York, currently eager to get this initiation done with. Hello, my name is Jaden, and I'll be playing Finnevere Avir, a bard and aspiring merchant looking to become a seeker to further his own ends. Hi, uh, my name is Andrew, and I play Alan Taylor, the man from Ohio who has thoroughly lost his grip on where we are. Hi, I'm Zach. I play Alfred Kenneth Mast. Uh, currently wondering what was up with that weird food court. There were some strange things there. None of them quite made sense. Bacotel, but it's but it's spelled weird. Don't trust the Hergis Burgers. Now, just hold that thought for a second, as I'm sure you have many. Not soon after, they made their way into the ruined city in the north. But alas, our foreigners are not the only initiates who have found themselves in this region. Well, I mean, the foreigners and Finnevere, who's, you know, from the area, but that's beside the point. You all have entered into this very serene room with light pouring in through some cracks in the building on top of what appears to be a pedestal with a metallic-like object at the very center of it. Please tell me your initiatives. 15. 15 for Charles Smoot. Oh, I'm sorry, a 5 for Finnevere. I have a 10. Before you, you see a room that you've entered into that appears to be mostly collapsed. Over to the right side, you see that there is a beam that has fallen over and there is a lot of rubble. Your view is blocked to the rightmost side of the room. For the most part, uh, in front of you, it appears there are two very large planters, which have some weird plants that have overgrown their pots. You guys can see up towards the northwest of the room, there appears to be what is a collapsed bit of floor where you can't see the floor there any longer. And the pedestal itself seems to be sitting out on a ledge 
over top of this collapsed floor. Straight ahead, there is what appears also as is a broken fountain of sorts, uh, which is crumbled up and looks like it might be a bit of difficult terrain there. You might have to climb over, worst case scenario. Somewhat northeast, you see the three other people. Finnevere, you are recognizing the one woman that had helped you earlier after you fell from the cliff. You recognize her. You believe her name was Baron Lucierne. And the moment you all make eye contact, they begin to bolt for it. And so combat begins. Charles Smoot, you can actually see the woman that is coming up to you guys. Same with Alan Taylor. Alfred Kenneth Mest, your view of her is blocked by the beam that has fallen over. And Finevere, you don't notice her until she steps into your line of view past the beam. Okay, so top of the round, we actually see that Baron, relatively dark skin and reddish colored hair, she ha- appears to have a red orb in her hand of sorts. It looks like it's in a glass container. She throws it right in front of you guys. The glass shatters and you can actually see that a small fire starts in the area right in front of you. And she says, it is unfortunate that we have to meet again like this. And that is her turn. Uh, It is Cece's turn. She has no idea what's going on. Guys, um, what exactly are we doing here? Grab the thing on top of the pedestal. Grab the thing. Got it. Grab the thing. Okay, so um, Cece is going to start taking a run. She actually starts running to the left side of the room. Alfred Kenneth Mest, it is your turn. Wouldn't happen to have an anti-bomb, would you? Anti-bomb-bomb. Anti-bomb-bomb? No, no anti-bomb-bomb. We'll put that on the list of things to do. I'll just run up and throw the web trap at the back group of them. Okay, so Zach, you run up over towards the leftmost planter pot and you take out the detonation web trap, whatever you want to call it at this point. Okay, then I pass that with a total 10. Oh, what do you say when you throw it? It sure seems some of us are in a sticky situation. Pass now is not the time for jokes. Morale is very important in combat. Doing so, he says his mighty quip and you get a little bit of a laugh from Farron, who manages to essentially sidestep the webs as they shoot out. And you see like this, I can't say that. This <laughs> White sticky stuff. <laughs> you see as this webbing shoots out from inside this box-like shape, but you do notice the younger gentleman with the white hair does seem to get caught up in it. And that area is a little bit more difficult for them to traverse now. All righty, so... Let's continue on. Alan Taylor, it is your turn. I'm going to make a run for it. You going to make a run? Yeah. Quinn, would you mind putting me in the most efficiently placed 120-foot curve towards the relic? Um. So, Alan Taylor, you see an opportunity. You see an opening to the left of the leftmost planter, and you start running up towards the relic, charging straight ahead, stumbling a little bit over some of the difficult terrain. Uh. All right. Um, so that is your full movement, but you do manage to get much closer to the relic than the other team. Charles Smoot, it is your turn. What are the environmental rules for running through fire? I had to look this up. Characters at risk of catching up fire are allowed to make a reflex save to avoid this fate. If a character's clothes or hair catch on fire, he takes 1d6 points of damage immediately. In each subsequent round, the burning character must make another reflex saving throw. Failure means he takes another 1d6 points of damage that round. 
Success means the fire has gone out. That is, as long as he succeeds on a saving throw. You can automatically extinguish yourself by jumping into water. Smoot would shout across the way. You're outnumbered. Turn back now while you have time. There's still eight hours. You may you may make an intimidate as a free action. 24 for my intimidate check. Charles Smoot, you basically uh, shout this at your at the opposing team, and you can see that they appear to be shaken and disturbed by what you said. Although, not so much considering doing anything at this point, because one of them is sort of uh, entangled at this moment. Charles Smoot, it is still your turn. That was a free action. What do you do next? Or you just stand there and look pretty. I, I am very, very pretty. Um, but outside of that, I will run up and join Taylor. I will be running up to the northwesternly direction around and behind the potted plant, avoiding the fire to catch up with Taylor. Okay, uh, so that is your entire turn. Yeah. Okay. As you guys, uh, Charles Smoot and Alan Taylor, you are not able to see this, but you do hear somebody take a running jump. And the red-haired man, Finevere, Alfred Kenneth Mest, you both see that he leaps over part of the web trap that is there. And he moves up just to the top edge of the fountain where he is starting, where he's basically becoming less visible for you to see. Okay, it is now Kelsey's turn. Kelsey looks at Finevere. Should we stay back here or are we, should we go back them up? We should support the others. We need that relic we want to pass. So we should run over there. Oh, uh, well, yes. Watch yourself, though. They seem intent on uh, retrieving the artifact as well. All right, then. Let's, uh, let's boogie, I guess. Those words just came out of my mouth. <laughs> let's boogie. The girls are not running up too too close, though. Finnevere quickly checks his face to make sure he doesn't have any, like, stray uh, uh, nostril uh, uh, mess. Nostril mess? She said boogie. Ah. Oh, my goodness. Yes, Finnevere very focused on keeping up appearances at this time. They call those uh, stray sneezings. By they, I mean I. <laughs> uh, Kelsey ga- gathers a little bit more confidence and actually does move up relatively close to Charles Smoot and Alan Taylor. Alfred Kenneth Mess, make a perception check for me. 24. So the only two that you see are Farron and this other gentleman with the whitish blonde hair. You can see that he is wearing very decorated clothing, uh, mixtures of white, a light blue, and maybe some grays here and there. You can see that on his back at this time, he has a very long pole arm. It looks like a glaive of sorts on his back, decorated in white and blue and silver markings. He is attempting to currently pull himself out, and he appears to be struggling a lot, a lot, we'll say. Not a good day for him. Not a good Mm. day for him. All right, Kenevere, it is your turn. Okay. Uh, This seems a bit more of a uh, social combat, so against my better judgment. Was it? There was a fireball thrown. It wasn't thrown at us. Well, that's not a sleeper It was thrown in front of us. To and pro- we're not, no one's been rolling to hit yet. Uh-huh. I consider but people have through. rolled several skill checks. Uh, I will move up one move actions worth in that direction, going around the same way. All right. So Benavir begins making his way through some of the cracked flooring moving up just behind the leftmost planter pot. And I will begin a bardic performance and inspire competence, just in case we need to make some more acrobatic saves. Okay. And I have, I I prepared something here. I'm ready. Spider-mest, spider-mest. 
If you have a problem, he is the best. What's he got in his pack? If you're in trouble, he's got your back. Look out, here comes the spider mast. <laughs> you hear Farron shout from across the way. Oh, you know, if we weren't in a combat, I would probably clap for you. I'll do a short bow. <laughs> okay, um, so Finnevir you have taken your turn to begin singing and movement. Uh, we go back to the top of the round. As Farron, Alfred Kenthmest, you're able to see, and I believe Finnevir you can also see she... So she actually hops into the fountain. She is actually throwing another one of those red potion vials in front of Alan Taylor. It does hit you only, you both take one point of damage and it can't be halved because there's no, you can't take less than a point of damage. So you take one Makes point of fire sense. damage from it exploding. If you're in this round, just make a reflex to avoid catching on fire. Oh, Smoot does not succeed his reflex with an eight. Okay. 19. Alan Taylor, you manage to avoid catching on fire as you kind of dance around in the flames, avoiding them looking at your feet. Uh, Charles Smoot, uh, your clothes do manage to catch on fire. You take you take two points of fire damage. You are currently on fire. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. That's no bueno. Oh, sorry. I wasn't really trying to hit you directly. Um, okay, so aim better. Okay, got it. Aim better. Um, that's the end of her turn. Uh, next up... It's Cece's turn. Cece is just looking at the fire ahead. What do we do? Something useful. Something useful. Just keep them from getting to it until we can get to it. But you're in front of me. What? Uh, throw rocks at them. I don't know. Shoot them. Throwing? Don't shoot them. We don't want to kill them. Throwing rocks. I can do that. I guess that classifies as useful. Cece immediately picks up some of the rubble that is on the ground, and she runs up. She takes a really nice baseball throwing stance and she throws a rock, but you see that as she throws it, this purplish kind of like hue seems to extend from her hand surrounding the rock. Uh, and it actually does pelt Farron um, straight in the abdomen. And she goes, Ooh! oh, all right. Uh, so that is the end of Cece's turn as she seems to have put some power behind that throw somehow. Emphasis on power. Alfred Kenneth Mest, it is your turn. I'm just gonna move around. Okay. And the, would you still uh, stay to the left of the planter uh, pot, or would you move up a little bit more? Move up, but not, but to the point where I'd still have cover from the pot. Okay. Uh, so you move slightly around the planter pot, trying to keep cover just slightly behind it. You have currently partial cover from the planter pot, depending on the angle where they are, for the most part. And is that the end of your turn? Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Alan Taylor, it is your turn. You are currently standing um, in the area that there is moss on the ground that has lit on fire. That is what is burning right now. Um, you have managed to not catch on fire, finding a small area within the five-foot square to keep away from the fire. Well, in front of you and behind you, there is some fire, and Charles Smooth's on fire. He can take care of himself. <laughs> He'll be fine. What am I supposed to do? Slap him until he's not on fire? You can aid another on putting him out if you I, wanted to. Oh boy, I can give him a plus two. I'll take care of that. Don't worry. Uh, I am going to sprint for the relic. Okay. Um, so uh, for each square that you pass through, you do need to roll a reflex to avoid catching on fire. What's your acrobatic? Did you jump over it? Do a long jump. 
I, I have a dexterity of plus one and no points in acrobatics. Well, it's giving you a plus two, so it's plus three total. But listen, if you catch on fire the first time, you don't catch on fire the next time. So the first, if you do catch on fire, I you take don't a have maximum to roll. of one d six damage for running through the fire. So okay, yeah, so it's like fighting fire with fire. So so here's my thought: you either make three reflex saves at a DC 15 or you jump or you attempt to make a DC 13 acrobatics check to jump at all so I have to roll a 10 these are possible numbers if I fail the acrobatics check though by five or more I believe um so you'd have to roll like a seven or a lower you're not jumping over any ledge the only thing is you just don't jump the full way and then you'd have to make a reflex anyway to avoid catching on fire I say yeah there's no there's no reason not to jump I'm gonna try to jump I think if you fail by five or more, you... I might fall prone. Oh, that'd be bad. Uh, that is a 17, so it's a total of 20. Absolutely. So, Alan Taylor, you take a slight step back, and you prepare yourself for a long jump, <laughs> and you manage to leap over the area of fire that has been created, and you hear a very frustrated Baron just kind of grunt in the background in obvious frustration, and then you also do see that to the right... There is the red-haired man. Uh, I would like to move closer to the relic. So, Alan Taylor, that is your turn. You have, after leaping over the small fire that has started from this little vial that she threw, you then take a few steps forward and you draw your spear. I can't grab it, but I can defend it. That's his new quip for the day. Uh, Charles Smoot, it is your turn. You are on fire. I would like to step out of the fire. Okay, so do you take a uh, five-foot step back? Uh, uh, actually, you can't. That is would be considered 10 feet because I'm, of difficult terrain. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a move action Okay. out of it. I'm going to take... So it says you must make a reflex save, but if I'm not mistaken, a reflex save would not consume any of my turn economy. You are already on fire. Yep. So I'm going to take my move action to move out of the fire, my standard action to say... Have a taste of your own medicine. Because as I move, I will be pulling out my own alchemist fire that I pulled from one of the dead bodies. And I'm going to throw it at them. Which them? Her. Oh, you mean? In the fountain. She is going to have rough terrain in the fountain. The fountain of fire. Are are you committing murder? (laughs) I guess it wouldn't be murder. It would be... I'm committing arson. The fire's committing murder. (laughs) Okay. Then you may do so. Está en fuego. Your character is still on fire. I will need you to roll a reflex to put it out. Uh, I choose to fail my reflex. You choose to fail? Yep. All right, you stay on fire for another round. You take two more points of fire damage. I rolled a 16 to hit with the alchemist fire. Okay, so you were throwing it directly at her? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you treat fire for fire, doesn't everyone get burned? Everyone's on fire right now, so yeah. And at the end of my turn, I will drop prone as a free action. To get a plus four on my next reflex save against fire because I'm rolling on the ground. You just ragdoll yourself. Yeah. Do I roll damage or anything for my fire? Uh, yes. Uh, I would need you to roll the 1d6 of damage, please. One. One? Okay. Exactly one. Okay. All right. So um, you can see that as you throw your uh, alchemist fire, you see that it explodes and actually it does ignite into her hair and her clothing and she starts uh. to scream. Um, but it lit her on fire because I got lit on fire. That's because you were standing in the fire. You failed a reflex. Yeah. That's how that goes, Quentin. She failed having a good dexterity. <laughs> nah. She failed getting on Smoot's good side. Yep. She threw fire at me twice. What's your Smoot's attitude saving throw? Four. 
All right, so Charles Smoot, at the end of your turn throwing the uh, Alchemist Fire, you decide to take a nice nap. I'm kidding. Now you just lay down on the ground. I do. I, I, lay, I stop, drop, and roll. All right. Um, so the red-haired man actually runs up past the fountain and approaches towards Ellen Taylor, but he stops short of trying to pass him at this point as he appears to be trying to think about his next action. You stay back. This is ours. We saw it first. Actually, I'm pretty sure that we saw it first and we were here first. You happened to run in after us. Well, I got here first, so eat it. I think your face will be ground into the dirt first. Look, I really don't want to stab you, but I may be forced to. You just see, you, you hear Kelsey shout from behind you, Mr. Allen, please don't kill anybody. I really don't want to. Um, Nah, Taylor, just throw him into the fire. You are a psychopath. Could you be a tad more hospitable? They threw fire at us. I'm not starting it. I'm continuing and spreading it. You said hospitable. I think he heard hostile. All right. Kelsey's going to take a movement and try to edge along the outskirt of the fire moving very carefully. Dear God, I hope she doesn't fall. Oh, that's not a wall. That's a chasm. That's a cliff. Oh, indeed. The floor is gone and you cannot see below you. I'm going to get Mufasa. Or you Mufasa someone else. Mufasa. I, I Mufasa us both. So Kelsey edges along the side of this cliff um, and she seems to be just coming towards you. Mr. Alan, don't you dare. She's moving towards you, Alan Taylor, very, very carefully. Why? It's just the circle of life. If it's just the circle of life, Mr. Smooth, then why do you care so much about your family? Ah, because these people aren't my family. Hold on a second! Oh, no, 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 you are. I'm just saying these that's, other people. That's as much as you get to say, uh, because that is, yeah, there, there's not enough time for you to say anything more than that. Okay, so it is now the white-haired man's turn at this point. He manages to pull himself out from within the webbing. He did it. Only to fall prone. That's not good. Don't be proud of him. Is the web? Listen, I'm, I'm just a, a, admiring the fact that I kept him in place for even a turn. Oh no, you, you changed the dynamic of this entire combat, like by a huge factor. We have one of them to deal with right now. Like, <laughs> think of the map. On fire. <laughs> we had to deal with three of them due to versus how many of us? Now we've had to deal with two. It changed. The everything. other person hasn't even. The other guy hasn't even done anything yet. We really just had to deal with one person. Yeah, throwing but out I, also, I also slowed him down a bit oh, by a adding lot. some more yeah. rough terrain for him. So instead okay. of three, we're fighting one and a half. Um, and then he attempts to. Oh man, this is not going to go so good for him. I don't think. <laughs> Let me put it this way. Who's it terrible for? Us or them? It only goes one way or the other. <laughs> okay, um, so he attempts to make a jump, but unfortunately, his He's skill at back. jumping is not exactly the best, and he actually ends up taking a jump, but it's not long enough, and he gets stuck. He actually has to make a reflex. Sweet mother of God! <laughs> I love this man. Little bit of the little bit of the webbing stuck to his foot as he tried to jump, so he just got sucked back down a bit. He manages to avoid being stuck as he like kind of puts himself in a really weird position. The ultimate game of twister. But he um, you can hear him just kind of scream a little bit in frustration, or grunt in frustration more so than scream. Uh, Finavir, it is your turn. 
I, I need to know how close I am to the person in the fountain. How close you are to the person in the fountain. Uh, you are 50 feet away on a good day without taking into account the difficult terrain. Okay. In that case, here's how my turn goes. I hope this is worth it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pop my last level one spell and use Expeditious Retreat, giving me uh, plus 30 movement speed for a few minutes. Okay. So you cast expeditious retreat on yourself yep so i pop a coffee bean yep chew on it okay you do uh, so uh and i'll sprint up to the opening at the well or where or the, the fountain and add part of my movement i would like to draw my water flask sure uh and i hold it out and on my next uh, available uh opportunity i'm going to try to put this woman out okay i feel like benavir veer is trying to okay this is my really new canon. Hates smooth fire. No, no, no. This is my new canon. I feel like Finnevere is trying to gather a harem and he doesn't even realize mm. it. He's just being overly nice to all the ladies. Finnevere wants a harem of workers. It Okay. For one, <laughs> you said her hair caught on fire and I found that to be particularly offensive as a... Uh, not, not not like with that you said something yeah. offensive, but this is something that needs to be protected. <laughs> yes, a woman's hair is very important. Okay. What about uh, my hair, Finnevere? Is your hair on fire? <laughs> probably. I've taken more damage than her. Doesn't you pro matter. probably look good, Bald. You're Mr. Clean. For goodness sake, Smoot. They are our competition, not enemy combatants. And, and then I'll, I'll hold out the uh, the water as if gesturing, come over and I'll put you out. Okay. She's like currently trying to pat herself out. She's quite distracted, FYI. Okay. She does see you holding out the water and she hears you say that she actually um, does rush over to you and takes the water out of your hands and begins dousing herself in it, uh, okay. extinguishing the flames. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for that. Anytime. Well, it's nice to meet you again. Uh... Nice oh. cordial conversation here right now. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say that is her turn for dousing herself with the water that she borrowed from you. Huh. So are we playing nice now? Should I not throw more rocks? Uh, all right. Uh, throw a rock, throw a rock, do something. He said do something, right? Okay. Do something useful. Um, Cece rushes over to Charles Smoot and begins patting you. Does this <laughs> do anything useful? I mean, you'll get She's it. She's attempting to put the fire out. She's aiding you. Oh, so I get a plus two on my next reflex save to put the fire out. Got it. But the, but the way I picture CC yeah, doing that, not cannon, by the way, that she would use her foot. So, yeah, no, I definitely agree that CC would actually be using her foot to try to put out the flames because she would definitely, she would not use her hand. So she's like stomping on Charles Smooth to put out the flames. But that is her turn. And Alfred Kenneth Mist, it is now your turn. I guess I'll move up towards the edge of the fire there by the cliffside. Okay, um, so you can do so. Alfred Kenneth Mist takes this opportunity and he moves forward towards the uh, fire that has been started on some of the moss that is quickly burning away. I'm in range for a lot of things. More fire? But that's about all I'm gonna do. Uh, Alan Taylor, it is your turn. I, I will one hand my spear and go to grab the relic. Okay, so you take your... Left hand off the spear. All right, uh, Alan Taylor, you take your left hand off the spear and you walk up to the uh, pedestal where the relic is. And uh, I, as you walk up, you realize, and the closer you've gotten, you realize that this pedestal is a little bit taller than what you think. I'll stand guard. No one else may climb it. Centurion mode. All right, so Alan Taylor, you have taken this time and you have moved forward and you have observed your surroundings. 
Cross Moot, it is your turn. You are lying on the ground, prone. Yeah, we're going to reflex save it to stop burning. Oh, finally? Yeah, nope. Uh, another big note. Nine plus... Wait. Yes. I know. Nine plus four plus two. We're good. Got Cece's a 16. Cece's helping. Cece did help by kicking she, me repeatedly. She did something useful. <laughs> Wait. Vinivere. We can't give them a taste of their own medicine, but it's okay if I get barbecued. An eye for eye burns the whole world down. You're next on my list. And don't worry, Mr. Vinivere. I got him. She's still stomping on you while you're on the ground. Next on your list. He should have been first. All right. I will stand up. And that is a move action. And I use the rest of my turn to attempt, once again, attempt to intimidate them. You don't want this to go south, everybody. Make the smart decision. You've got plenty of time. Are you trying to kill people? We are just here as part of competitions. Cool. Uh, intimidate check of 24. Okay. Um, so, yes, uh, Faerun basically shouts that back at you. Um, very concerned about the way you're reacting to people. Uh, but yes, you can see that she appears to be shaken along with the red-haired man who is currently looking up and then looks at you, but he was looking up towards where Alan Taylor is on the top of this uh, small cliff area, this overhang. Mm. But it is his turn. To clarify, miss, murder is not in the agenda. But also not explicitly prohibited. Uh, murder is prohibited. Self-defense is not. Play nice. Screw it. You both feel the sensation of somebody judging you harshly. You're not sure where it's coming from, but you have a sensation. Eh, it's Snake Lady. It's your mama. It's your mama. All right, Alan Taylor. Um, The red-haired man actually runs up, and he seems to have pulled a dagger, and he is attempting to swipe at you. Oh, reach wait, no. spear. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He gets an attack of opportunity. Yeah, he actually just threatened square with a reach spear. Yeah. Okay, you may try to hit with your attack of opportunity. Yay, reach weapon. 14. So, Alan Taylor, you um, attempt to hit him with your spirit. You see that this man, who is very, like, he's well-built, but he appears to be um, very dexterous, and he actually manages to sidestep your forward thrust with your spear, and he actually comes up, and he hits you in the side of your thigh with his dagger, and it appears that he has actually hit you in such a, a way that you feel your leg buckle a little bit and you take nine damage. Did I get targeted striked? No, you got crit. Oh, that would do it. Ah. He smirks a little bit. Uh, and also, Alan Taylor, with, with this in mind, I would like you to realize now that as he has hit you in this way, you have now found your reactions slowed. You can't make a tax of opportunity for one round. But he smirks as he does this. Perhaps you should invest in some better armor. Oh, you done gun done it now, son. You done cut my jeans. It is now Kelsey's turn. Kelsey sees this happen. Kelsey is actually going to move forward. Um, you can see that as she approaches, she just kind of just shouts. Just both of you stop. As she shouts this word out, you can see that the man who had pierced your side, Alan Taylor, or your leg, uh, you can see that he kind of freezes up for a moment, and he doesn't seem to be moving at this time. All right, it is the white-haired dude's turn. He is actually going to get out because he is not being held back by them. He had succeeded, and he moves out, finally, sighing with relief. And let's see, Alan Taylor, you can actually see that all of a sudden, it seems that he's, he concentrates for a moment and you can see that at his right side, 
Um, he has his, well, on his left side, he's holding his spear down at an angle. And then on his right side, you can see that this crackling ice sound kind of like a, happens and you see this almost like ethereal dagger kind of form next to him that's hovering. Huh? Huh? White hair nose magic? I don't like it. You get out of here with that witchcraft, boy. His face just flashes with some anger. Like, you can barely see it from a distance, but you can see that he appears very agitated by what you said. And he moves forward. At this point, he does not take any other actions. Finnevere, it is your turn. Is anyone around me still on fire? No. Is the fire to the left still active? It is, but it looks like it is sputtering out. Run. Okay, so my base is 60, thanks to uh, Expeditious Retreat. And I will move all the way up to in front of Kelsey. Okay. So you take... That will be my turn. So you run over by 15 feet and then you run... Yeah, you get over there without a problem. Okay, so you run over to Kelsey. Now we're at the top of the round. The fire that was blocking uh, Alfred Kenneth Mest, Charles Smoot, and Cece sputters out, as does the one in the fountain. All right. um, Farron sees you three there. She goes into her bag, it looks like, and she pulls out a small little vial. She pops the lid and she drinks the liquid inside. And you can see that although she's wearing like a relatively like long uh, modified dress for it looks like made for adventuring and whatnot, you can actually see that her calf muscles seem to expand all of a sudden and, and grow. Uh, and you can also see that her musculature, while staying lean, also just overall gets a little bit beefier. Okay, um, so it appears that Cece is looking around very confused. Wait, okay, so Finnevere just helped her out, and and um, I heard a scream, and I don't know what's going on exactly, but are just we friends? Throw another rock. Throw another rock? Really? Ugh, sorry about this. Uh, okay, so Cece manages to pick up another another rock and she attempts to throw it. Charles Smoot and Alfred Kenneth Mest, you see that as Kelsey begins to throw another rock, you see that this similar, almost like tether, appears and attaches itself to the rock as she throws it. It does, however, fly straight towards Farron, but she appears to see it coming and she quickly sidesteps it. Well, I threw a rock and it missed. A fire and a mist. And a fire again. Um, so she just kind of, she, she gets frustrated and she just starts to walk uh, behind Charles Smoot towards the cliffside and she kind of harumps. All of you make a perception check. 21. Total 20. 22. Also a 22 for Charles Smoot. Okay. Um, all of you can start to hear the sound of something rumbling, like a cracking sound. It appears to be coming from nearby. That's probably not good. Alfred Kenneth missed, though. It is your turn. I'm going to drink the dexterity mutagen that I've been sitting on for a while. Okay. Uh, it is a standard action to pull out and drink your uh, mutagen. Yeah. Okay, sure. So you drink your mutagen. And conversely, a similar thing happens to uh, Alfred Kenneth Mest, but he does appear to be, while still lean, a little bit boofier. Beefier. Boofier. So I have a watermelon but I don't have anything that it's going, that's not going to do a lethal type of damage. So I'm gonna throw a watermelon at her. Okay, uh, as you pull out the watermelon, you see that it has started to rot a little bit. Maybe it does poison damage now. This is so rude. 22 to throw watermelon. 
Um, yeah, so you take the watermelon. Um, you are at a minor penalty because the range on throwing the watermelon, I believe, is similar to bombs, right? I would assume it's a 20, so... Even with the minor penalty to your throwing of the watermelon, you can see that it actually manages to hit Farron Square in her uh, upper torso. Yeah. Dealing as a 1d4 of damage, bludgeoning. This sure reeks of melancholy. Uh, Alfred Kenneth Mess, you can see that she gets very frustrated. Ugh, I just got this outfit. Alan Taylor, it is your turn. You know what? Nah, he he, he stabbed me. I don't like, I don't like that. He's trying to kill me. He could have hit my leg artery. Your character would know too much about it. Your character not a doctor, but he knows he tried to kill you. I know if you get stabbed, you bleed out. He tried to kill you. And that is a 22. Wait, minus one, 21. Okay, uh, you hit. And he takes eight damage, piercing. Alan Taylor, you are very frustrated with what happened and you actually, you step back slightly and you pull back with your spear and then try to ram it into his leg as well, just mm. exchanging. Eye for an eye. Eye for an eye, blow for a, for a blow. And you can see that he appears to be somewhat uh, slowed in his own movements. He doesn't move too much, but you can tell that he shirks back a little bit, but he doesn't move from the position he's in, but you are able to stab into his leg and he kind of cringes in pain. Yeah, freaking hurts, doesn't it? But that is your turn. Freaking stab me in the leg, I'll stab you in the leg too. Charles Smoot, it is your turn. I'll give you something more than melon to worry about. Charge attack with a greatsword. Okay. You're going to charge attack what? Just move up and attack her with my greatsword. So you're going to move up and attack her? Yeah, total one to hit. With cowbell. More cowbell. More enthusiasm. My goodness. Oh no, it's a crit fail. Thank total you. Total three. Thank you. Okay. Um, yes, Charles Smoot, as you walk up, uh, you can see that Farron looks at you. She sees that you raise your greatsword to swing down at her and she sidesteps it very gracefully, her muscles tensing with her steps. After a moment, it appears, though, that the red-haired man, now that we're moving on to the next turn, the red-haired man appears to shake off whatever it was that was keeping him from moving. He looks around, very confused. He looks down at his leg. He looks back up at Alan Taylor. He sneers a little bit, and I gotta see what he can do. Sir, you're outnumbered, and I'd really rather not kill you. He moves around slightly to the other side of the um, pedestal, trying to avoid being potentially stabbed in a moment, uh, as he sees that Alan Taylor's eyes flash with a red fury, realizing that his movements are too slow in order to try and hit him as he steps out of your reach. He jumps, but because of the injury to his leg, he actually is unable to reach the ledge as he also can't get enough height because he hesitates too much when he jumps from pain, and you hear him grunt in frustration. Ugh, it is Kelsey's turn. Ah, uh, Mr. Finnevere, I didn't like the sound of that. Yeah, whatever's rumbling down there, sounds like more trouble than what we're already in. Should we let them handle this? It's all right, we need to retreat. I'll I'll get the relic. You'll get the relic? I'll wave my, uh, my glove that's been on since last episode. Ah, oh, that's a good idea. Good idea, okay. I'll stand here and back you up, I guess. I'll get ready to run. Okay. All right, so she is readying an action to run. Okay, um, the white-haired man finally, finally gets around to moving towards the rest of the group. He just walks straight um, past the fountain, stepping over some of the crumbling area. He stands there with the, almost that ethereal dagger kind of like 
floating in the air. It seems to be putting off some kind of like, not aura, but it looks like it's putting off like this sensation of like a refrigerator. So it looks like it's putting off some kind of cold air um, as it hovers. Spoopy. And you just hear him say, Yanral, come on. Uh, Finavir, it is your turn. Uh, I would like attempt to mage hand the uh, the relic. What is the range for mage hand? 30 feet plus five foot per caster level. Finavir, Avir, you begin to cast mage hand, wiggling your fingers as you do. Come to papa. With the white glove. Mm-hmm. So you attempt to uh, lift the relic, which it does seem to lift off the pedestal and it begins to float in the air towards you. Do and it. you manage to grab hold of it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> and I will run away. Okay, so you you do mage hand, and you will begin moving away. And with my one movement action, I get to go 60 feet. So you go around Kelsey, um, and you make your way. Do, 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 do. Ah, yep. Uh, looks perfect. Couldn't have done it better myself. Okay, top of the round. Kelsey started to turn to follow after you, Finevier, but she stops and looks back towards Alan Taylor. Alan, come on, we got it. I will follow you in one moment. Okay. Um, she doesn't come any further at this point, though, as she is waiting for Alan Taylor. All of a sudden, Alan Taylor, um, you hear a loud cracking sound. I don't like the sound of that. (laughs) And you start to see that the floor that everyone else is standing on seems to be above you now, and the floor Uh, begins to fall. Uh, uh, we're fine. Ready, boy? Ready, boy? We gotta get off of this thing now. I would love to. Don't think it's possible. You also notice, however, that Kelsey is standing on the same platform that you are. Ah. And yes, Alan Taylor, you may attempt one reflex. Realizing that there is no time left, I will throw my seeker emblem up. Man, catch. What are you doing, Kelsey? There's always the calm after a storm, a pure silence as the recognition of loss commences. Alan Taylor, Kelsey, and the other man fell along with the floor. Finevere, you stand at the edge staring into the black abyss. You watched as the cliff slipped past your view and your eyes met with Kelsey's. For a moment, time seemed to stand still as a calm and peaceful expression spread across it and inaudible words fell from her lips. And then they were gone, the crumbling mass swallowed by the darkness. Kelsey! I, I I go over to the edge where I'm like, like my hands are on the edge and uh, the head sticking out. Uh, can I see anything? You can roll a perception check. 21. Rushing over to the edge, looking down even deeper into it, you see the last bits of this crumbling rock face just fall deeper into shadow until you can't see it anymore. And it essentially is enveloped in pitch blackness. But below you, you can see other floors that are barely illuminated by the light that is streaming in through the ceiling. I I grab a rock and uh, cast light on it. I, I, I toss it down. The rock falls for a good distance until it goes out of your range and the light is snuffed out. Ben's just shaking his head, kind of walking away. You hear nearby Farron exclaim, Yanral! Finavir, what happened? Uh, did you get the relic? Where are the other two? They're gone. What do you mean they're gone? The, the floor collapsed. It's it's so deep I can't even see the bottom. I There's no way. Uh, 
maybe. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Farron approaches you all quickly, and she says, Do any of you have anything we can do to get down there? I, I have rope, but it's no more than 50 feet. <sighs> uh, my magic is only tuned to lightweight. And I'm good at only blowing things up. Cece runs over to you, and she's looking around. Uh, I, I don't know what we can do about this. I, I, it looks so deep. I, I, I yell over to the edge. Kelsey! Taylor! Your voice echoes back. Then, I don't know if anyone's surviving a fall like that. And if they did, I don't know if we're equipped to even be able to bring them back. It's gotta be something. Even if we could get down there, wherever down there is, however deep it is, what do you expect to be able to do once you find them? Uh, carry them back? Oh, yeah, up, up the sheer cliffside? How well did you do climbing but just by yourself the first time? Uh, he looks at his healed, bruised arm. First rule of providing first aid, never put yourself in a dangerous situation. What point is it if we die trying to get to them? Then what? The whole party gets wiped out? Um, well, maybe we get someone stronger. Um, that is probably the best idea. If we return back to where the uh, the competition or trial started, we might be able to find someone like John. He, he might be better equipped to find people like this. Yeah, they're, they're gonna be okay. They have to be. You're right, Uncle John could help. You see that Farron appears to be in some emotional distress, and you see that she is sort of mumbling to herself. And the younger man with the white hair and this brocaded outfit with white and blue uh, and the gold trimming on it walks over and he seems to look over the edge. And he seems to scoff momentarily before turning back to her. Loss is inevitable. The best we can do now is to move on and pray Isos guides them. Or at the very least, get some help. I mean, not to mention the fact that if the floor caved in here, who's saying the whole building's not unstable? Unless you feel like going down with a ship, I'd recommend getting out of here. Well, if there's any chance, we need to act now. One sec, I go back to the edge again. Taylor! Kelsey! I don't know if you can hear me! We're getting help! Hold on for as long as you can! As long as you can remember! Know that we're getting help, and help will find you! There is no response, only the sound of your own voice echoing down into the deep, deep pit. Farron speaks up after a moment of silence from the group. All right, so I guess we're all going to be heading back then. Oh, what choice do we have? Look, uh, scuffle aside, but what it's worth, I'm sorry we fought. Certainly. If they would have just turned away like I told them to, we wouldn't have gotten into this mess. Yeah, and if we would have turned away when they when they said we wouldn't have been into this mess either, Smoot. No, honestly, we shouldn't have gotten so greedy. We should have just turned around and went back to the gate. There's no point dwelling on it now. The only thing we can do is get moving. Every moment we waste, they, they could be in more danger. If we're going to go get help, I'm going to leave right now. Smoot storms off, heading back the way he came in. Uh, Smoot, uh, you storm off? Yep. Okay. Smoot, as you storm off, you feel as some of the floor shifts beneath you in an area that you step into. And I need you to roll a reflex. Oh, my worst save. I love that one. Oh, what a good roll. Nice. 19. Okay. You are able to catch yourself as some of the floor beneath you starts to give way. 
and you seem to almost fall through briefly before your arms grab hold of the floor that you are on. This is what I'm talking about. The whole place is structurally unstable. We need to all leave now. Take your time, old man, unless you want to bring this place down on us. You're more than welcome to fall in. His face is mostly blank from expression, but he does appear to be a little irritated from your statement. I'm not interested in fighting you at this moment, but if you insist with your words, I'll take you up on that offer. Well, look how that turned out last time we fought. We're not losing anyone else. There's no time for fighting. Let's go. Uh, Cece, Mest? Uh, yeah, let's get out of here before something else happens. Okay. Don't worry, Kelsey. Mr. Allen, we'll be right back. As right back as we can be. So, you guys begin heading out from within this ruined structure. I want you all to roll perception check or survival, whichever one is your better skill. 18 for Charles Smooth's survival. Uh, 16 for Finnevere's uh, perception. 25 for either one because they're both a plus eight. Okay. As you guys are making your way through this ruined building, you're keeping an eye out for weak areas on the floor and even through the ceiling. You work together and you manage to maneuver your way outside of this building. You don't see any other initiates at this point, though, although there are other footsteps that appear to have been making their way away from the building. You can see very clearly up in the sky from where you are, the holographic numbers counting down. Seven hours, 32 minutes, and 31 seconds. 30, 29, 28. And you begin, again, making your journey through the Garden of the Dodos. And as you pass through there, you come back up to the cliffs where Finnevere had burned some bodies. And you can still see what appears to be smoke in the sky from where the corpses are alight. Making your way through the cliffs, I want you all to make a perception check. Total 26 for Charles Smith. 10 for Finnevere. 23 for Mess. Finnevere, you find yourself merely keeping your attention on the path ahead of you, focusing on just getting back from where you came from. Mest and Smoot, you are following along your original tracks, making your way back, until you notice that Farron and Valen seem to break off, and they seem to be heading off on a different path, one that doesn't head back into the valley, where you also notice that there appear to be the yellow moths flying overhead, which seem to be heading back towards that direction as well. I'll, I'll point out to the rest party. Vanivere, didn't they mention that they were also headed back to get help? Well, yeah, of course. Best. Do, do you see them split off? Maybe we should follow them. They might know another path. Yeah, it seemed like they went that way. It might be a little bit more roundabout, but at least we can avoid those moths up ahead. We don't really have time to get into any encounters like that. Well, do you think there's another way around the moths? Certainly. Baron and the uh, white-haired guy do. Smoot, <laughs> I'm going to leave the ball in your court. Navigation is your job. Uh, I was never and much of a basketball player, but I can at least follow people who walk that way. So Charles Smoot will go ahead and attempt to follow... Baron. Smoot, you begin leading the party, following behind Balin and Faron as they make their way over this cliff area. You guys find yourselves 
as you follow after them, walking uphill for a good distance into this cliff area. You see around you, there are these clay-colored stones that seem to almost tower up above you by several yards worth. Some of them are even taller and they create these nice overhangs with their shade. But I need you all to roll a perception check as you're going. Total of 12 for Charles Smoot. 20 for Finnevere. Nine. Nine. Amazing. I couldn't have rolled lower. As you're making your way through this cliffside area, you, you see the remains of what appears to have been an auroch at one point, these large bones of a creature off to the side. And matching this appearance, you seem to all of a sudden start to feel that it gets very hot up here, as if you were reaching the heat of the day. You're traveling for approximately an hour, and when all of a sudden, it seems to get blistering hot, hotter than it was. And you continue onward, but I need you all to roll a fortitude save. All right. Uh, as Finn notices, it starts getting hotter. Uh, he'll take out some of the rags that he has in his backpack. He'll take out his temperature stone and cast prestidigitation on the, the water to make it cooler and uh, pour it over the rags and dish one out to uh, each member, one to Mest, one to Smoot, one to CC, and himself. In the circumstance, you do feel the cool rag on your necks and your foreheads, wherever you're keeping it. It gives you a brief reprieve from the heat, but you still need to make your fortitude save. You will only get a plus one bonus from the rag. Okay. 18 for Finnevere. Okay. I have a 16. 18 for Charles Smoot. With the nice cool rags on your necks and lathering your body with it occasionally, for about an hour, you're able to keep yourselves cool and you keep on trucking through. And you see that up ahead, the duo appear to be doing just fine. They don't seem to be affected by the heat either, but you continue onward and you find yourselves snaking through a little bit of a lower area, but there is less cover here. I need you to roll another fortitude save as another hour has passed. Uh, 14 for Finnevere. 21 for Charles Smoot. Uh, 19 for Mest. Charles Smoot, Mest, you both find yourselves able to move on without much difficulty. You're not very bothered by the heat right now, although you do feel a little bit of sweat coming down from your armpits and dripping from your forehead. You feel okay at this point, as you can also see that Cece appears well. But up ahead, you do notice that the group appears to be taking a moment to drink some water, and they slow down momentarily. Vinavira Veer, you are starting to feel somewhat lagging uh, as you are getting very hot. You have your backpack on, you have your armor with your mithril on. Even though it is lightweight, it's holding in a lot of heat on your body. Uh, More than layers. normal. Yeah, it's multiple layers of clothing. You are sweating. Uh, and you, because you did fail the fortitude save, you take one point of non-lethal damage and you are now suffering a bit from heat stroke where your skin is very flush and you are fatigued. Uh, I tried to drink some water to kind of give my system enough, uh, some extra sweat. But aside from that, uh, I try to push forward. Okay. So yes, you're at a minus two penalty to strength and dex. I believe you are, you're not encumbered yet because you actually lightened a lot of your load. Yep. I dropped it all off before we came. Well, I kind of lag behind a little bit, enough that I know I could run if I needed to. And I, I take out the carry-all. All right. Uh, 
I have it grow to a size where I might be able to climb inside, and I put my arm out forward and see if it moves. Um, so the carryall is only able to extend up to two cubic feet, uh, which would be very tight for you to stand in. But as you put your arm out, it doesn't seem to move. Uh, I think it's as much uh, as well the shot. Uh, I do unload everything except for my bandolier and crossbow. Okay. All right. So you basically take off your bag and you kind of shove it into the carryall, being careful not to crush anything delicate in there. Also put my outer clothes on. Um, I'll just have my exposed chain shirt. Okay. Your chain, is it mithril chain? Um, it is a shirt, but it is the mithril chain shirt. It's uh, very, very fine. It can okay. be mistaken for a shirt. Okay. All right. Sure. And there's like this nice sheen on you. Perfect. Okay. So yes, you, you feel a little bit lighter, a little bit cooler. You're still mi- mildly fatigued, but you don't have a problem moving on for a good bit. Um, so you begin walking. And as you walk... You notice that the carryall neither gets closer nor further than 10 feet from you, but it seems to trail along and you can see like this little um, colorful lights just kind of like streaming across the area where the handle is as you're walking with the badge. Oh yeah, I just took it on so I don't have to carry it anymore onto my uh, bandolier. You can see that it's kind of like flashing similar colors. I, I am, you know, you know what? I put it in the pocket with, uh, with Isabel and I check up on her. Okay. Isabel appears to be her normal self. So just a neutral expression? No, it's smiling. Oh, she's smiling. I take inspiration from this smile to try to smile myself. You try to smile. A little bit of sweat drips into your mouth as you do so. It doesn't last very long. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys up front as you're walking, you kind of notice that Finnevere was lagging behind. Um, and then you see that he picks up his pace a little bit. Uh, and he appears to have put down his carryall, which is now falling behind Anyone with uh, extra gear, pile it on. Uh, sure, this is getting a bit heavy, and I put on some of my stuff. Uh, my alchemist's kit and one of the sets of rope that I drop off on it as well. Okay. Well, as you do so, you feel yourself get almost just lighter with elation because you realize you are no longer encumbered, and you're able to move at regular speed as needed. Cece looks at the carryall. I don't really have anything for it to carry, except myself, but uh, I think we'll be okay. Maybe just for a bit longer. I don't know uh, if I can keep up with this heat, though. I give, like, a persuasive eyebrow, like, good try. <laughs> she <laughs> looks at the carryall, which is kind of, it has, like, a a wooden crate on top of it, which was the alchemist kit, and then your bag stuffed inside of it. It looks a little bit overflowing with items at this point. I mean, I guess I could sit on top of the box, but wouldn't I break it? Uh, maybe another time on second thought. And as you guys are walking, you can actually see that up ahead, it looks like the uh, Valen and Farron have actually slowed down. They seem to have stopped and are looking back at you. Oh, it looks like we're all heading in the same direction at this point. Is, is there more than one direction than a straight line back to the center of this place? Well, oh, yeah. uh, everyone essentially had taken their own route, so it's fine if you're following with us. It's... I guess we can just group up. That sounds like a fine idea. The more, the merrier. All right, then. Let's go. Valen says, and he begins walking again. Uh, what is your current marching order, FYI? Or FY me? Charles Smoot would probably be leading in the front, because he's been giving people directions for most of the time. Okay, so you try to walk ahead of Valen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finn would take up the rear uh, to make sure he can keep an eye on everyone. Uh, safety is his current priority. 
I guess somewhere in the middle for nest. Okay. Middle group, etc. Um, Charles Smoot, as you try to go in front, you can actually see that Phelan seems to glare at you and speed up a little bit. I glare at him and speed up. I've got fast movement. It's a barbarian class feature. Can out, can out speed me. So you both are, you're, you're both glaring at each other and speeding up mm-hmm. while the rest of the party is sort of watching this from behind and you guys are speeding up a little bit and you're going a little bit further than they are while everyone else is just kind of watching you. I can speak for Valen, but is there a problem? Is he always like this? Uh, oh, wait, like, is she within speaking range of me? She's within speaking range of the ba- of you guys in the group, because yeah. she's in the center area, along with Mess, Cece, and you in the back. Uh, Smoot's always been a bit abrasive and a bit of a hothead, but uh, we care about him all the same. Uh, I apologize for his behavior earlier. I sure know he won't. Um, no, no, I understand. I... I just feel... Never mind. Maybe we should go and catch up with them. Uh, they'll tire themselves out, I'm sure. I don't I, I don't think it's uh, healthy to run at this point. I, I mean, you say that, but we might lose them at this point. Oh, gosh, dang it, Mest, you're right. And Finnevere, your character being fatigued is unable to run. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I don't think I can run. Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can. I'll catch up. Um, If you hear a whistle, that means I'm dying. Uh, I'll I'll show the whistle I keep around my neck. Charles Smoot, as you are essentially pushing yourself to move faster along with Valen, you roll a perception check. I roll a perception check. Uh, my perception check is a total 17. You notice that the group is not behind you uh, as you guys have kind of charged forward very far ahead of them. Oh, nice going, pretty boy. Look what you did. Now you almost had the group lost. What I did? You're doing the same thing. Absolutely not. I was trying to go ahead to make sure I could find the safest path. He glares at you and clicks his tongue. Um, but you also notice that in your bag, there is a rustling. Oh, wait, it's time. I immediately sit down and check my bag. <laughs> okay, Charles Smoot, uh, in the middle of this conversation, while he's glaring at you and he appears frustrated and he's about to say something, time for what? All of this will be in vain if it weren't for this bird. And I pull out the dodo. This, this is the key. So you reach your hand into the bag, and as you do so, as you open up the bag, roll a reflex. Reflex? How does a nine sound? You open up the bag, and as you do, you see this bird hop out very quickly, and it kind of comes towards your face in a panic, and it falls back onto the ground, but it's gotten out of the bag. Boys, the dodo's out of the bag. And you see that it gets up and tries to run away. After about 30 feet of movement from the bird, though, you see that it stops, and you see a cone of ice come out from its mouth, and then it starts hacking until it throws up. Um, Immediately as I see the cone of ice, Smoot would just drop prone, hit the floor, say, hit the decks, and immediately fall prone. Valen walks over as you do so, and then he just walks forward towards where the dodo is as the cone of ice is blowing. But the bird does throw up, and the cone of ice fades away very quickly. And you see Valen walks over, and he seems to pick up the silver object that seems to have fallen from its mouth. And he seems to look at it for a long time, and so he looks at you, and he tosses it to you. Yeah. I would get up and pick that up. And everyone else catches up, hearing the words, hit the deck, and seeing Smoot on the ground, Valen standing nearby, looking at him. What? Did, is there an explosive somewhere? It, 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 could, it could have killed us. It could have killed us all. You don't know what that thing's capable of. 
Alfred, you see as the dodo gets up and starts running towards you. Is it running towards me? <laughs> and it runs past you, squawking, dodoing. Ow, ow, you got a thing covered in dodo puke. Congratulations. Very excited. Probably wiped it off on the ground because it was chucked towards me. But yes, you now have what appears to be a small metallic object with smooth ridges, but it appears to have a shape almost cut out from it or it's cut out from something. I would just put it in my pocket, presuming that this is the relic that we were seeking. Shall we keep going or are we going to rest? Do we have time for rest? Let's take a look at the time. Some people seem to be getting tired. Sure, and some people could be getting more dead every second we wait. We don't have time for a break. If we're going to get a rescue party, we need to do it now. I'll be fine. Let's let's go. Valen eyes you up and down, but he seems to acknowledge your desire to continue. Very well. Let us go then. And he begins walking again in front of the group. I begin attempting to lead and rolling my survival checks to lead the group. My survival's better than his. Is it? What yes. was yours? 29. I had a natural crit to get there, but I have a 29. It was a lot better than Valen's, That's right, regardless. Um, so, Charles Smoot, as you are leading the way, you see that Valen starts... Bees just keeps going straight, essentially going what looks like the straight path. The, the straightest path, like, that way. But you're able to find what appears to be, although maybe a few minutes longer, it appears to be a safer way for the group to travel down. I would mention to specifically my group and Farron. It might be a brief detour, but it looks like it's a little safer if we go this way. I, I specifically am turning around to say this in their direction. All right. I'll take it, Mr. Charles Nature Smoot. Okay. Uh, so you you say this to the whole group. Farron looks at you. Uh, look, I understand that Valen can be abrasive, but... I would also ask that you would understand... I didn't say anything about that. I just said there was a safer path down here. I was being kind and courteous to you. She calls Balaam back, running up to him and gestures, and he stops. He turns around. He glares at Smoot, and he seems to, like, flare back his um, spear, using it to kind of, like, balance on his shoulder. And he sighs, and as he walks back over. But Charles Smoot does lead you guys down a safe and a little bit quicker path. Huzzah! 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 You guys make it down to ground level. You've actually bypassed the river. Oh my gosh! The river of death? The river of death. The, the death of my flower? My fine flower? The yes. death of my thigh? But it did take you further north, which did take you... It was a longer distance away from the cliffside from where you guys originally went to the river. So you bypassed the river, but you're farther away. But it looks like it's pretty much a straight shot from here. And the heat seems to dissipate as the hours go on. And you guys finally do make it to the cliffside. Huzzah. All right. How much time's left when we get to the bottom? I'm going to say that you have about 40 minutes left. No time to tarry. Last time we came down here, it took us almost an hour. Hopefully it's easier going up. All right. Well, before we do, I look at the carryall like, I don't think you do up, do you? The carryall does not respond. All right. Speaking of which, I have to put it all back on. Uh... <clears throat> I, I tied to woe as I I go. Okay, yeah, you, you, you swipe over it, even though it's a little bit bigger than it normally was, but you shrink it back down to its regular size and then tied to woe, and it's clean and shiny. Hmm. You see, like, these little, like, glistening sparkles, and everyone kind of sees you doing this, and you see Farron clap in the background. Oh! Oh, yes, I'm quite fond of it. I, I just put everything away. All right, so you load it up, and 
Alfred Kenneth Mest, you receive back I, your... I grab my stuff. Stuff. You're encumbered again. Uh, it's heavy. And you uh, guys are feeling a bit tired. But luckily, you guys got to use a path earlier. Charles Smoot. GM. <laughs> I'm ready. Are you? The base path at the bottom is the widest. Mm-hmm. And you're able to travel up without too much difficulty. Am I? But as you get up towards the top, it does seem to get a bit narrower. And it is sloped. But Certainly. The, the path that you have to travel, that's the flatter portion, is narrow. Charles Smoot, everyone else, please roll an acrobatics to make sure you can stay balanced on this path and hopefully not slide down. 21 for Finnevere. Okay. Uh, so, uh... Uh, yeah? How's an 8 do? The DC was 10. So now... So, you slide a little bit, but you're able to catch yourself because you didn't fail by 5 or more. It's not catastrophic. So, I got it. <laughs> I beat you, Zach, with a seven. <laughs> I rolled an I, I rolled an eleven. Alfred Kenneth Mest, <laughs> as you you slide down, you're able to catch yourself. Well, that's good. But your alchemist kit tumbles down side of the cliff, and you see as it crashes, and like all of your your stuff kind of goes out, and you hear glass shattering, and you hear somebody down below scream "ow" as they seem to get hit by the particles. Ow. Well, there goes the do-no-harm policy. Sorry about that. I was never under that. (laughs) Uh, Are you okay? Alfred, I don't care about the other guy. Alfred, are you okay? I'm more concerned about them as well. Who knows what could have just happened out of that? You hear loud cursing in another language. (laughs) I think we have a pretty good idea that we should keep on moving. Uh, And you also, you guys do see that there are other people. They seem to be climbing up on some rope. And some of them see you. And they're looking over, like, double-taking, like, wait, what? There was a... There was a way up on the I side. Point. I point at them. <laughs> I just laugh. Well, you're doing no better. You're falling off the side. Oh, that's just because I'm 57. Let me see you try this when you're my age. Oh, you're doing really good. <laughs> He's like climbing up. You look really good for your age. You don't look a day past 40. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. Um. So, huh. yeah. Please just uh, roll a climb just to climb yourself back up. It's not the GC's like five, but... Don't forget your minus three. Hey, hey, no, I'm not at a minus three. I just lost my health. <laughs> oh, you're kid. right. You're not encumbered anymore. Good job, Zach. It was oh. a blessing in disguise. It was. <laughs> we'll get you a new one. There's got to be prize money, right? <laughs> what was your total on the climb? 16. Yeah, you're able to climb back up. Like, you slid a bit, but you're able to, like, stand up and you slowly maneuver your way back up to the path, shaking. A little from the experience as you kind of did land towards the edge of part of the cliff where it does drop off sheer like a sheer drop so that's why i was like <gasps> so i too failed my check by the way yes yes you did you slid down a little bit again you you were able to catch yourself that's way good. before alfred did but you saw that he slid a bit and you hear the sound of crashing glass and he stands up shaking and moves towards you all right uh hopefully if this path doesn't kill us first uh we'll make it to the top but if this is how hard it is getting up a sloped rampway, I mean, I, I don't know how Kelsey and Alan are faring. Uh, Mr. Smoot, it's because you're really wide and the path is narrow. Alrighty, onward to victory and saving our friends. And you guys make it to the top. As the last of your crew reaches the plateau of the cliff, you notice that a large majority of the initiates have yet to return. The very last seconds of the clock tick down as you wait 
and the numbers in the sky flash white before disappearing into the ether. Your attention is soon drawn towards the platform on which a large mirror rests as a loud and commanding voice speaks over you. I suppose congratulations are in order for those of you who have returned, as unlikely as it seemed. You have somehow managed to complete this trial. Perhaps there is hope for you yet. And she signals for the twins who come forward, and she walks up with a small wooden crate that she seems to set up. All right, this way, if you're ready to uh, start heading back, please make sure you bring up your relic and your badge. Uh, now that we're at the top of the plateau, do we see John Xavier anywhere? You do not see John up on the top. In fact, you all can make a perception check. 11 for Charles Smoot. Rolling hot tonight. Uh, 20 for Finnevere. 19 for Mest. You all, as you are up at the top, you notice that both John and the other man that were there earlier are no longer up top on this plateau. And you also notice that there appear to be several large crates that have been broken open, and there's hay inside of them, but these are off to the side. But, Finnevere, uh, what was your role? I'm sorry for Mest. 19. Okay. Finnevere and Mest, you both noticed that there seem to be some very large, what appear to be prints of some kind, some kind of paw print in the dirt near those boxes. And looking at them, you think some kind of large creature must have been stored in there. Mest, I think they keep bears up here. Uh, I would watch your step. Can I knowledge nature to for, to see the tracks and see if I can figure out what they look like? Sure. Well, you know what they look like, but you can try and identify what they look uh, like. They identify are. them. Yeah. yeah. 22. You are able to recognize that these very large prints, there are a set of four of them, essentially, um, where there are two what appear to be large hindquarters and very small front paws. They're very widely spaced apart as if something was moving and hopping. They look like they're from a very large rabbit. I don't think they're bears, but I don't think it's anything less concerning. Duly noted. Uh, I, before we walk over there, I gather the, our our group together, as in the the the, uh, the royal we with uh, this, the smooth. Oh, okay. That's okay. good, yeah. I'm, I'm, Smoot's doing his favorite pastime, being a hobo in line. Okay, so uh, you're small group. So yeah, it's just of, you, of three people. <laughs> Cece, and Mast, who are left. <sighs> I didn't think about this. Um, well, I thought about it a lot, but not entirely until now. Taylor tossed his uh, uh, his badge to me as he fell. Uh, from my indication, it was that he wanted us to move forward. I don't know about Kelsey's, and I don't know if we're going to need all badges accounted for to pass. As huh. he said that uh, we needed a full set of everyone to pass. Where did you put Alan's badge, by the way? I, I would have had it in one of my uh, Bandalore packs, and I uh, reach in and grab it. Okay. As you reach in and grab it, and you pull it out, you actually find that it, there seems to be something extra. And as you pull it out, you see that there are actually two badges. One? Uh, well, um... I, I guess I'm mistaken, but uh, in our favor, we may just pass tonight and head. Benavir, totally bewildered by this. He will remember this. <laughs> oh, wow. Did you use your magic on it and you made a second one? Oh, uh, not not to my memory. Um, If I learn how to do that, I'll let you know. Maybe Kelsey just somehow threw it at you and you happened to catch it without realizing it. Well, we have what we need, so let's uh let's turn on our relic. All right. Did anyone want to take a look at it before we uh, turn it in? Cece looks at it. This is what it was all for? 
Uh, I I hope this is one of the relics. Uh, can, can I get a description of this? Yeah. Holding the relic in your hand, you feel the nice cool metal from it. It appears to be a sort of three-inch long, oddly shaped piece that has somewhat jagged edges that aren't sharp. It appears to be have been like cut and there are some kind of like etchings or symbols that you can't really make out on it. Maybe part of a drawing or something. Well, let's go. Uh, our group will get in line if there's a line. Yep, there is a small line. Appears that the numbers have dwindled quite a bit. A lot of the groups that you see are missing members, and a lot of the solo individuals did not return. But you're in line for a very short period of time until you get to the front. Hello, welcome back. How are you doing? Ah, uh, could be better. We lost a few out there. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. Everyone loses a few in the first, well, year or so. Is there any way that we could get someone to come after them? I don't know uh, if this place is a private or how this works. Uh, it's our first time here. John and Absol have gone out already on their rescue missions. Uh, don't they need to know where the people are? Or? We have eyes in the sky. Oh, well, I'll take your word on that. Thank you so much. Uh, and I'm going to just kind of like, Nora? Yes, of course. I am Nora. Good job. Everyone seems to get that wrong. Uh, just like, I, I, I legit don't remember. <laughs> The difference or, or anything like that. Oh, yeah. Which, 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 which is the hair part? I need part to know. It's on the right. Certainly is Nora. Because it was Nora and Zora. They could mix it up just to trick us. Oh, they would be evil. <laughs> if I was them, I would. <laughs> <laughs> evil. All right. Um, so I, I, I hand off. Uh, I, do I just show them the badges or do I give them to her? She snatches them from your hand as you hold them out. Okay. One, two, three. And I need yours. Yep. Thank you, you sir. And, oh, and yes, for you, young lady. Perfect. All righty. Let's see. We have all five of them. Perfect. And where is your relic? Uh, right here. Thank you. She takes that right from your hand. Perfect. All righty. So we'll be tallying the scores based on what we saw today. So good oh, luck. I didn't know there were scores. She points to the sky. Uh, are there scores? <laughs> there are Finiv no scores. Finivir, they said something about better placement for more relics, remember? Alrighty. Well, continue onward. They'll be opening up the gate soon that you can head back. Uh, quick question. Will we get any kind of notification if you can find our friends, or...? She thinks for a moment. I believe that any notification that we have will come tomorrow morning after they have scoured every location of this place. But All unfortunately, right. we won't have any news until at least tomorrow morning. But of course, you'll be welcome to stay at the keep for the night since it is relatively late there. We'll be finishing up with the ceremony later in the evening so you can head back and take a nice long bath for about an hour and then we'll be going into the ceremony. Uh, all right, then. Thank you. Of course. We have to get things done very quickly around here, you know. Chop, chop, chop. We lose so many members very, very often. Oh, good, good to know. Uh, Benavir evaluating his life choices. So you uh, hand in all of your stuff and you are shooed away and the line continues. Although it looks like the numbers are dwindling down and there are only a few members left who have to turn things in, namely Charles Smoot. And it appears that Farron and Valen are left as well. I'm in line. Tell me when I get there, I guess. Charles Smoot, um, you see that Finevere and the other group, Finevere must have finished up. Uh, Farron and Valen are right ahead of you and you see that this young twin of the Nora brand is up there, and it appears that she receives three relics from Valen, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which she expresses, 
Oh my, we have a high contender this year. Very exciting. How wonderful. You'll probably rank very high. And he grunts and moves on, followed along by Farron. And Charles Moot, you come up to the front. Hello, hello, welcome, welcome. We're so glad to have you back. Glad you made it one piece, Mr. Solo Initiate. Likewise, happy to be here. I just toss the relic and my badge on the table. All right, looks like everything is in order. We'll be letting you know your rank as soon as the ceremony begins. Actually, no, after the ceremony, I believe. Perhaps tomorrow morning. I'll have to double check. Okay, uh, I walk up. I walk off towards the direction of Valen, and I go to punch him in the face. <laughs> okay, um, so you walk over, and you are going to roll to hit. Does a 18 hit? Yes. Roll damage? Uh, seven damage. Okay. You sock him square in the jaw. He manages to keep his balance, but he appears to be very surprised by the attack. And you see that he kind of like, he reaches his hand up to his jaw and he, his eyes are very wide and he blinks. And you can see that there's like a small trickle of blood that kind of forms in the corner of his mouth. And he looks back up at you. What was that for? So I'm walking away. And as I do, I'm going to mumble. That was for Kelsey and Taylor. And that red haired guy. <laughs> And then I will walk in the direction of Finnevere and I will point and gesture with my thumb pointing towards uh, Valen. And I will say, that is why greed is one of the seven deadly sins. Oh, what the heck, Smoot? Why did you just punch him in the face? That's so rude. He already had three relics. What? And yet he got intervened in a position where we had to risk our lives and two of our party members went missing. And you try and say greed is good, Finnevere. From where I'm standing, it seems like greed is exactly what got my party members potentially lost and killed. Well, if you remember the tenets of greed... Finnevere <laughs> has to remember the tenets of greed. Finnevere, uh, I'm mean. not in the mood. I understand what you're saying, Mr. Smoot. They could have turned back at any time, but instead they had to get in our way where we were barely able to scrape by, and because of which we potentially lost two of our members. Let's just hope that John can find them. I, I understand, but I... Also, weren't we in a competition? I'm sort of torn on this. We signed up for the risks. I understand what you're saying, Mr. Smoot. There should be a consideration for others before taking more for uh, for yourself. Uh, but expressing yourself so violently, I don't know that I can agree with that either. You hear as the sound of the gate sort of goes off, this whooshing and whirring sound, and you see that Eden walks through and several other members begin to pass through it as well. Charles Moon will go up and walk through the gate as there's nothing left for him to do here. All right. All right. Uh, I, I, I stand there. I, maybe I hold up the line for a bit. Uh, uh, all right. Already myself. Uh, one, two. And I, I just... Stacey pushes you in. <laughs> <laughs> all right. One, two, one. <laughs> oh, geez. All right. Here we go. And she just runs through. It's probably for the best. He probably wouldn't have jumped in off his own volition. No, no, he wouldn't have. I'll jump in too. All right. Everyone, I need you to roll your fortitude. Saving throws, please. 27 for Charles Smoot. Seven for Finnevere. Let's go. <laughs> Only one digit of a difference. <laughs> when he won. Okay. So, Alfred, Kenneth Mest, Charles Smoot, you pass through the mirror walking through this gate, feeling the sensation of whirring and your body's being pulled and thrust forward all of a sudden. You step all the way through, coming out into the other side, and you see, as you come out, Vinavir sprawled on the ground. Charles Smoot is in front of him. 
looking down on him. Finnevere, you are currently sickened and also affected by the reverse. All of your movements are inverted. Up is down, down is up, left is right, etc. Oh gosh, uh, management, when did the ceiling get installed on the floor? Oh my. This lasts for one minute, but his character, um, yeah, he, he, he's lying on the ground. He is looking pretty worse for wares, but everybody else does pretty well, except for uh, actually everybody passed. Except for Finnevere. <laughs> oh, is this because I pushed you? I'm so sorry. It's it's okay, Cece. I'll be fine eventually. One day, I'm sure, maybe. Uh, someone help me stand. I can't seem to tell which direction is up right now. Maybe it would be better if you stayed on the floor until you can figure out which way is up. Uh, you know what, Mess? That sounds like a great idea. I'm just gonna... Give me a second. Can I try to pull him away from the gate? Sure, as people are walking through. Hold on. As, you, as you're doing this, somebody stumbles over him and trips. Uh, Sorry. Hold just be a moment. Do you think a 15 strength check is enough to pull Yeah, you can drag him. Okay. Yeah, you're able to drag him. Um, so you do. So you pull him away from the door, and he's just like... His face is like being smushed and like squashed as you drag him. He's going... Bleh. You see drool kind of dribbling out of his mouth, too. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. So, yes, a, a minute or so passes, and you regain all of your faculties. Thank you, Alfred. All righty. Uh, Nora walks over to the entire group and addresses everyone. Um, and you see that Eden is going up the stairs of the archive. And she essentially says, All righty, everyone. If you would like, you can go take a bath for about an hour. We will be preparing for the ceremony. Then we'll meet you all in the Great Hall. Okay? All right. So we'll see you then. Goodbye. She runs up the stairs. So it's what, like 10 p.m.? Yeah. Cool. Fun time. Yeah. You got up the crack of dawn. You were here like all day. You're so tired. A bath sounds nice. I'll make my way to the bath if I can survive the stairs. I remember there were some stairs. <laughs> there are 10 minutes worth of stairs. All right, Mr. Finnever, I'll support you from behind if you need it. Thank you, Cece. Just try not to fall on us. Or fart. I'm just glad the ground is on the ground again. So you guys begin making your way up the stairs, um, and you see as you're going up, a lot of the uh, people in the white coats are watching and waving as you go up. Some of them are giving you a thumbs up, like, congratulations, and other ones are just minding their own business going around carrying relics. So you guys make your way up the stairs. Ten minutes go by. You are very tired. And you see that a number of the initiates who are somewhat dragging their feet begin heading uh, down one of the halls to the left and go past the Great Hall down another long hallway. Do you follow them? I did, did we already find the baths? No. Oh, uh, then I'll follow them. There. Where did Nora say that the ceremony would be held? She said in the Great Hall. Is that where the starting ceremony was held? Yes. Okay. So is that that's just in the main entrance? Uh, yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. I'll just... Is that where we are currently? That's where they are passing through, yes. Okay. I'll just stay here. Okay. I'll find my couch. Okay. Uh, you can actually see, uh, interestingly enough, the area has been mostly cleared of tables. You see people are sweeping. Um, appears that Zora is instructing somebody on moving things. All right. That has to be moved all the way over there. And if it's in the way, we need to just throw it out. We don't need that anymore. Burn that tapestry. It looks terrible. Wow. All right. Not, don't get on Zora's side, bad side. She <laughs> will burn your tapestry. <laughs> so, yes. Um, so, Charles Smoot just sort of meanders off away from the crowd that is heading down the hall towards the baths. 
I I'm gonna head towards the baths area at least, because I'm hoping there's a sink at the very least. Alfred, you begin making your way down the hall with everybody else. And Finnevere, do you go down to the baths? Uh, yes, if I can find them, I would like to try to take a cold shower. Ah, well. Or, but baths sure. exist. I, if, if it's everything's warm bath, I'll take what I can get. Okay. Charles, you go off and you take a moment for yourself, mm. resting for about an hour. But you're still very filthy. But for Alfred Kenneth Mest and Finnevere Veer, you head to the baths. And you find yourselves in a very nice area where it almost is like... Easiest description, like a Roman bath, where it is an enclosed area where water is sort of being poured in um, through fountains, and it's very warm in here. You can see that a lot of the people who have already made it in have just stripped off their clothes and jumped in. This is only men in this area, so it's a men's only bathroom, and the ladies seem to have their own on the other side. So, would Mest, would you be in Finn's area? Uh, uh, he is. He is trying to find like maybe a sink or something. Rather than a bath, because he doesn't he doesn't particularly feel like bathing right now. In that case, um, Finn will have taken um, uh, Isabel with him. Mm. You took a lady into, into the, the men's, men's uh, uh, bath. Her eyes are covered. <laughs> I tore a small piece of rag around her eyes as a blindfold. She's smiling. <laughs> mm, I'm sure she is. She likes what she sees. She's still a doll. <laughs> I, uh, you know, she's probably older than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out Isabel's actually only like three years old. Yeah, I, I stopped paying attention and like somehow like the one side was lifted. <laughs> um, sure, something uh, like that could have happened. Who knows? Um, uh, so you have found yourself in the bath area. You actually see that Valen is making his way into one of the baths where it's like steaming, and a lot of the other people are like kind of off on their own, like in their small groups. But you see that he's off on his own. Uh, off to the side and then there's other like small baths there's like four large bath areas there's no like individual sink but there are like basins which look like they're you like you put water in them and you can use it to wash in all right, all right. uh Finn has some stuff he's got to get off his chest and there's no people around he will talk to I isabel you know i i pictured this day many times i never thought that i'd actually go for being a seeker but I did th think about it a lot growing up when one would pass through town and ask about their adventures. I'd picture the day, day of crowning achievement, like opening your first business or something of the sort, uh, making your first sale. But without everyone here, it just feels so empty. It's, I thought this would be a greater accomplishment and even if they do come back, I still feel like I failed them. I don't know what it's going to take to be successful. I'm determined to give it everything I got. But we'll see. At least you'll be with me. Hi, Isabel. Eh, look at me. I could be yelling at Taylor right now. Telling him all this. Forget I said anything. I have this image in my head. This little tiny ledge where you could have Isabel sitting kind of in the water. So she's kind of like resting and soaking as well. And you're just sitting on the edge yourself also talking with her. And she's just sitting there. Her eyes are covered, and she's just got that smile on her face, and she sits in her doll-like posture. She might not be good for conversation, but she's a great listener. You can make a perception check while you're kind of having this conversation at the end. Oh, natural 20. One sec. 26. 
as you finish up your conversation, your eyes sort of glance around the room. You see Alfred as he's off to the side, filling a basin with water and kind of like washing himself, not in front of like everybody, but a bit more reserved, I'm assuming. It, it would probably be more like washing his face. Okay. So he's like cleaning himself, like in his facial feature area, like cleaning yeah. off his beardy scruff area. Cleaning off his face, his hands, up, maybe up the arm a bit. Okay. So. But as your eyes are scanning around the room, you catch Valen, who seems to be staring at you. No, glaring at you for some reason. And then he looks away. Okay. So if he's dropped his interest, then I can drop it as well. Uh, can I try to sense motive? Sure. Uh, that is a natural one plus four. <laughs> he might have been glaring at you because he might be angry about Smoot hitting him and maybe he's thinking about getting revenge. Who knows? It was an evil glare. Uh, I'll have to watch out for that. I get my stuff together, make sure Isabel's with me, of course, and, right. uh, get dressed and try to, uh, I'll wait outside the, uh, the ladies' room to try to see if I can catch Cece when she comes out. Okay, uh, so you wait outside of the ladies' room for a while, and it seems about like 40 minutes pass and overall until she comes out, and she appears to be having a conversation with Farron, and they seem to be getting along well, although it's not really as chipper as it would normally have been. But the hour passes, and you notice that everyone has essentially regathered in the Great Hall, as it was referred to, and you can see that the area has been cleaned up and that you see up top, there are these very nice tapestries that are now hanging down with what appears to be the emblem of the Seekers Guild. It is a black crow on a purple banner hanging down with golden tassel up at the top above where the reception desk is, you see Eden, and she's sitting at a table, and off to the sides are Nora and Zora on their respective parting of their hair side, Nora on the right, and Zora on the left side. Nora and Zora sort of come down, and they have to organize the group into rows and sections, and they give you some brief instructions on what to do. Until, finally, Eden steps up to the balcony and looks over you all, towering over you as she does. And she begins to speak. I suppose you want me to further congratulate you. Praise your pitiful victories. Her stoic features soften into an eerie smile as she towers over you, bending strangely. We stand here in celebration while your fallen comrades begin to rot. It is as it should be. Death is a certainty that we all march towards. It is just a matter of when. Mourn them while you can. They will be forgotten. But you? You could yet be remembered. And in doing so, they may live on. To be a seeker is to remember that which is long gone. To dredge up the past, no matter how painful. It is knowledge above all else. Who are we? Why are we? It is the very essence of the guild. And as members, you are required to serve this essence. 
Remember today this oath you take. Seek truth and know. Veritatem inquiriendum es cognoscetis. She says, saluting from her chest, forming a fist over her heart. The room echoes the statement as the few remaining initiates repeat the phrase, raising their hands similarly. Do you do similar? Of course, although in my heart I have a different understanding of the interpretation, or a different interpretation of the words. Seek truth and know, yeah. Smoot isn't saying any cult-like Latin until he knows what it means. Zimbabwe spaghetti pasta. (laughs) (laughs) Charles Smoot, unsure of what the words she spoke meant, is hesitant to repeat the words. So uh, we're not all like individually being paraded up on a stage. We're all just standing in a group, right? Yeah, you're standing in a group. I'm just seeing how your characters react to the situation. Yeah, he would hesitantly and warily stand there just taking everything in. Okay. What does Mess do? How are they raising their hands exactly? Just They have it raised over like... their fist. Uh, they have their fist closed and it's raised and held over their heart. He, he would probably do his best to mimic that action at the very least. You see as the twins begin walking down the rows, each member momentarily bowing their heads as a pendant is draped around their necks. And as they come to you, you see it is made of a dull gray metal and it is shaped like a bird with its wings arced together to form a circle, its head bowed at the center. And as it is placed around your neck, you see it shine a faint red color momentarily, which then begins to fade away just as quickly. The girls finish presenting the badges to each initiate and take their seat in front of the room. Eden speaks up once again. May you find what you seek. May your life be long, and may your death be quick. And here are your badges. Ah! Oh my gosh, it's so cool, thank you. So you've received your badges, after which there is a short celebration, although everyone appears tired. You see some people gathering together and hugging and... Others seem to be mournful and looking at their badges as if questioning their very reason for doing this. And you all are here, but not all of you have returned. Before you leave for the evening, you are notified by the twins that there are rooms open for board for anyone who seeks to stay the evening so that they can get the quickest information regarding their missing party members and also about the next steps in the guild. What do you do? Do you return back to the wagon, or do you stay the evening at the keep? Oh, no doubt we're going to stay here. Well, Finnevere says he would like to stay. Which is closer, sleeping in a bed or sleeping in front of the desk? Because last time I woke up, there was a mile-long line here. Zora looks at you. Please do not sleep in the hall. We have beds available for all. What time's the earliest that you will be out here? When the dawn cracks, I will be awake, but I will not be here until I have taken a moment for myself, of course. Mm. Smooth kind of just walks away and is currently setting his watch to try and put a timer on it. Okay. Uh, well, I guess it would probably be the best idea to stay and wait for information on what happened, at least. Certainly not leaving until we find out what happened to Kelsey and Alan. Yeah, well... I guess we should probably 
tell them that we're staying? Should we, do we stay together? Do we get a separate room? Do I have to share a room with you guys again? Oh boy. Oh, these are all decisions. I'll save a bed for Kelsey. That sounds like a good idea. I'll save one for Taylor. All right. So, Finevere being mostly the spokesperson for the group today, Finevere, you're able to secure three rooms where uh, two people share a room for the most part. And for now, it seems that Cece has a room all to herself and you boys are either able to share a room, whoever chooses, and somebody can sleep on their own. Are these rooms close together? They are all in relatively the same or similar vicinity, although Cece's is more on the other side of the hall, which appears to be somewhat dormed um, for the safety of some of the women. Okay. Smoot would probably try and take the room that would be just by himself for the moment in time given. Okay. I'll save a spot for Alan. Thank you, Smoot. Okay. So, the evening passes by, and the initiation comes to an end, and you are all led to the rooms where you are able to stay for the evening. Charles Smoot, your room is approximately eight doors down from Finevere's and Mest's room, and Cece is on the complete opposite side of the hall, which is separated by um, another passageway. And you boys begin to settle down for the evening, and as you are settling down for the night, letting a wistful sleep pull you in, just as you're about to drift off, a sudden rapping on the door of Alfred and Finevere's room startles you both awake. I, I, I go to the door. Jump up to my feet. Uh, he opens the door. Okay. So you both rush over to the door, pulling it open. Both of you make a perception check. And for Finevere? 19 for Alfred. As you open up the door, you both notice that there is no one there, but... You see that, pulling it open, you see a small slip of paper that was stuck in between the door seems to fall away and fall onto the floor. And you notice the sound of footsteps moving away quickly from you guys, and it seems to disappear down the hall where you can't really see anyone. I'll pick it up and... It appears to have been folded into small sections, so you begin to unfold the paper. And as you do, you see on there, in the language of this world, the words, they cannot be trusted, know whom you serve. And that is where we're going to end off on this week's episode of The Gate Chronicles. So, thank you, Foundlings, for listening to this week's episode of The Gate Chronicles. We hope you've been enjoying, and we hope you'll stay tuned to find out what's going on. And if Alan Taylor is okay, and Kelsey, what about the red-haired guy? I don't think anybody cares about him, but you know, it's the normal stuff. So, uh, Foundlings, if you've been enjoying this series, if you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already done so, please consider leaving us a rating and review in whatever podcast listening app that you're on, as well as through Podchaser, because that is the IMDb of podcasts. You can also make sure that you support us in other ways, because we want you to make sure you do so, because we love you. You know, that usual thing. I'm sorry, I'm tearing up right now. Sad moments. Um, you can support us in other ways by, you know, telling your friends about us, your grandma, your dog. I don't know. Just settle down with them one day, trap them in the car, lock the doors, um, tell them they're going to be okay first off, but then start playing the podcast, see what happens. I don't know. Uh, beyond that, though, <laughs> don't think about that. Don't think about it. Oh, I'm going to think about it. Yes. Beyond that, you can support us in other ways by going to our website, missingroleplayerfound.com. That's missing R O L L playerfound.com and getting merchandise. Who knows? We'll, now we'll have to get like maybe the rip Alan Taylor shirt question mark at the end. 
Beyond that, you can also go to our Patreon and donate to us monthly where you can get access to many, many goodies. Once again, thank you, Foundlings, and we hope you will join us next, next week for another episode of The Gage Chronicles. Bye! Bye! Bye, guys. Farewell. Farewell.